The reading of the scriptures from uh, the book of the Acts is we'll be reading uh, all of chapter 24, so I invite uh, your uh, reverent uh, attention and hearing of God's word from Acts chapter 24. And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since uh, through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way, and in everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all of these things were so. And when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul replied, Knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it was not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem, and they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. While I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they thought to be here uh, before you and to make uh, an accusation should they have anything against me. Or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council, other than this one thing, that I cried out while standing among them, it is respect with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias, the tribune, comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty, and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. After some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, Go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul, 
So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you know, uh, the book of Acts uh, has many converging themes, but uh, one of the things that I think begins to dominate towards the end of the book is uh, the story of a true witness that is uh, suffering persecution. Uh, that's really where we are in Acts uh, chapter 24. Uh, Paul is uh, dragged into a courtroom. Um, false religion uh, wants to put him to death, so it's uh, serious as it can be. Uh, but that venue in Paul's life in this particular chapter is a courtroom, but the venue of persecution is multifaceted. It might be the academy. It might be from a professing Christian denomination. Just, uh, I'll leave it there. But the greater reality is to understand that, that true witness continues faithful regardless of the venue. And so we're going to watch the Apostle Paul and many others uh, deliver faithful witness uh, in a time of incredible duress. Uh, when uh, I'm sure he was tempted to break. He doesn't break. He renders true witness. So uh, the Jews here are bringing false charges against Paul before Roman governors. Uh, and his defense uh, really is manifestation that uh, Israel has been eclipsed. Uh, Israel was to be a witness. They forsook that witness. Uh, and so God turns to his son. And uh, now Paul is uh, a representation of the witness of the eternal son of God, a true witness. Uh, and Paul, of course, because he's a true witness, is going to be successful because uh, God is with him. Uh, so, the, the eclipse of Israel is manifested in that they bring false charges uh, against uh, the Apostle Paul, who again is a true witness of God, verses 1 to 9. Uh, as you know, a Roman commander sends Paul to Caesarea. Uh, Caesarea was a seat of uh, Roman uh, government in Judea. And this uh, sets the stage for the first of Paul's Three civil trials. Uh, that is a parallel, as you know, of the persecution of our Lord, who went through three civil trials. Uh, and the mob kept after him uh, and influenced a pilot to uh, have him put to death. Um, that's, again, a true witness rendering testimony of God in a time of severe persecution, namely the agony of the cross. Uh, if you are not a Christian and wish to understand something of the Gospel, it is that our Savior took upon Himself the agony due His people. And so He paid the penalty that we might escape that penalty in eternity. Um, but 
the reality of uh, the biblical theology is that false religion is always going to try to unite with civil government that's uh, corrupt uh, to persecute the people of God. It's just the overwhelming testimony of the book of Acts, uh, the Gospels, and of course, as you know, the overwhelming testimony of church history. Uh, the union between false religion and a corrupt government. We'll see both here in our text this morning. Um, in this case, uh, the Jews hire an attorney. Uh, it's from this uh, word that we have the English word for rhetoric. So he's going to bring rhetoric in a civil trial uh, against uh, the apostle. And he files charges against Paul, making the scene a judicial one. In other words, it's a courtroom. It's a courtroom. And there's a lot at stake because a civil governor uh, has the ability to put Paul to death. Uh, there are four charges that are brought. Um, the first was he was a pest. Uh, it, it's from this uh, Greek word that you have with the, uh, the English word for pestilence meaning uh, that Paul was infecting others with a false religion. It's really the irony because they're the pestilence and Paul is a true witness. But that's the nature of false charges. Uh, if you want to persecute someone, tell lies about them. Um, they, uh, they say in the second charge that Paul is constantly pressing for sedition against Rome. Uh, in that particular time, of course, there was lots of sedition because the Jews hated the Romans. They wanted to throw off their rule, uh, but they cannot. They don't have the military ability. Uh, they will attempt in the Maccabean revolts, but uh, Rome will eventually prevail. They're, they're charging uh, Paul with, with uh, sedition against Rome. And again, a very serious charge. Uh, be a traitor against Rome. Crime worthy of death. Uh, the third charge, he was a ringleader. It's from this uh, word that we have the English word pro, protester. Uh, namely, he was a protester of a very dangerous sect. Uh, the word for sect does, again, that from which we have the English word for heretical. So Paul was a heretic. Uh, and then the one religious charge is that he desecrated the temple. Um, and for that, they, they're really seeking the death penalty. Uh, but it, it represents, in my mind, the eclipse of Israel because all of the charges are fabrications. Uh, namely, they are bearing false witness. Uh, and everything that they accuse Paul of, uh, they are or will be guilty of themselves. Uh, and by eclipse, uh, I mean the judgment of Daniel chapter 9, uh, verses uh, 25 to 27. don't have time to get into that text this morning. Uh, but if you want to understand what I mean by eclipse, uh, that's really the uh, theological venue. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, the judgment upon Israel. Uh, eventuates in 70 A.D. in the destruction of the temple and the sacking of Rome. Uh, pardon me, Jerusalem. Um, 
So what, uh, what relief do they seek uh, from Felix? Uh, well, they want Felix, uh, the Roman governor, to cross-examine Paul to confirm their accusations. And again, uh, there's only one religious charge, but the three civil charges uh, uh, really could result in death. So it's a perversion of the legal system uh, because uh, Roman uh, civil law uh, did not judge religious matters. That's why they throw in the desecration of the, the temple and the other three civil charges. Rome could have cared less about the desecration of the temple because they didn't rep they didn't acknowledge uh, um, religious law. Irrelevant to them. Uh, so they're attempting to corrupt a Roman judge with something that he has no authority over. Uh, it's really the genius, by the way, of the Protestant Reformation that establishes civil government and there's religious government, and they each have their uh, respective spheres. Uh, they don't interdict. Uh, in theocracies, they, they interdict, but uh, we don't live in a theocratic state. Uh, um, but it's important for us to realize that this is also a continuing eschatological fulfillment. You might say, well, it's just a courtroom scene, big deal. So what happened, so what? But it's continuing eschatological fulfillment. In that sense, it's living history and may involve us someday. Let's look at a couple of texts. Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 10, uh, verses 17 to 18. But beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and ye shall even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. In other words, you're still to be a testimony for me, Jesus is telling them. Because true witness continues faithful regardless of the venue. And I, I, I mean, I will tell you, if you were in trial for your life, you would have every temptation to cave. I mean, who wouldn't? Many have. Paul doesn't. And neither do many others. Uh, Luke chapter uh, 10, uh, verses 17 to 18. Continuing living history in the life of God's people. Uh, pardon me, Luke 21, uh, verses uh, 12 uh, to 13. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you and deliver you to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before the kings and governors for my name's sake. It will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Again, continue faithful in witness. Uh, let's look at a couple of illustrations of this in the Scriptures. Uh, Last book of the Bible, book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. The firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Notice the ascription of praise given to the Savior. 
He was a faithful witness. How do we know he was faithful? Because he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem, to go through three civil trials, to be convicted and killed upon a cross in incredible physical and spiritual agony. And all during the trials, and all during the trial upon the cross, he was a faithful witness. He didn't break. Had he broken, none of us could be saved. None of us. He was faithful. Uh, turn to um, chapter 2 and verse 13. Uh, you know, by the way, if you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. He's rendering a witness to you by the Spirit. Revelation 2, verse 13. Uh, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith even the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Antipas rendered a faithful witness. Notice, notice the faithful one, my witness. It's an allusion to Revelation 1.5. Antipas was like the faithful Savior. Uh, he represents a true witness that is persecuted by false religion and he pays the ultimate price. He's killed for his faith. And that happens throughout church history. Uh, I remind you today that uh, this is uh, April the 18th. 500 years ago, Martin Luther was called to the Diet at Worms by the Roman Emperor. Charles V was a civil governor. He was the emperor. But there were religious leaders that were there. They hated Luther. They wanted him to be excommunicated, so ultimately, really, they could kill him. That's what they did to a true witness of Christ, too. Living history all throughout the ages Luther, did you write these 21 books? Do you believe them? Luther begins to break. He says, give me a day. Well, it's easy to throw rocks at him. If you're on trial for your life, it's easy to break. The next day, you know the story. He goes in and says, um, I wrote them. I, I cannot recant them because of the words of my Savior. Uh, deny me before men and I'll deny you in heaven. Luther was a faithful witness. Uh, really, we owe much to him uh, contemporary Christian theology in terms of the doctrine of justification by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. The Roman church at that day, consistent with the Roman church today, is that there are many mediators. There's the saints that are departed. There's uh, Mary, and on and on it goes. And uh, all of them can dispense grace to you. And Luther understood there was one mediator between God and man. And that is the faithful witness Christ. Uh, so... Uh, Luther uh, is promised uh, safe travels home, but Luther knew that the councils had
promised other men safe travels home and then captured them and killed them. So dangerous times, but it's always dangerous time to be a Christian. Like I remind you all the time, how'd you like to be a Christian in North Korea or Saudi Arabia? Living history. Uh, but uh, Paul is uh, going to express to us a true witness in act. He's going to continue to witness and in content. The content is an essential. You trifle with both of those and it cannot be said of you that you are a faithful witness. So we know what the charges are. They're for uh, Let's look at the denial, and I would remind you in the denial, we have act and content. Because it's essential that we understand as a church that Paul has received from the Lord Jesus a mandate to witness as a true witness, not just in act, but also in content. And we're going to see that content play out as he answers the charges. Verses 10 to 21. Uh, we're also going to see the vital importance of the rule of law. And what happens when a judge becomes corrupt? Uh, so courtroom scene, as I have uh, said, uh, and uh, Paul must act as his own attorney. Uh, that in and of itself is contrary to our own understanding of law. Uh, remind you of uh, the First Amendment. Uh, five freedoms in the First Amendment. I'm going to quickly reference only three. Uh, Freedom of speech, freedom of association, uh, freedom of religion. We're going to give Paul some of those. I would remind you currently, the First Amendment is still in effect the United States of America. Who knows what tomorrow holds? Because some people want to take it away. Uh, Fifth Amendment, due process. Well, we're going to give Paul due process until a corrupt judge gets involved. And then due process is going to break down. And then the Sixth Amendment, right to a speedy trial. Did you notice the text? Uh, he's, he's kept in the governor's house under trial for two years. So much for the Sixth Amendment. And I understand uh, this is uh, Roman, uh, Roman law, not American law. But... Uh, uh, it's also important to realize uh, there's a violation of the rules of evidence um, in a number of ways, which we're going to look at. And then, of course, there's not an impartial judge. Uh, all, of, all of our freedoms as Americans are going to be vitiated in this trial. Why do I say that? Because this is living history. Persecution of faithful witness is going to occur until the Lord comes again. And may God in His grace grant us to be faithful witnesses at Grace Bible Church. Uh, I'd also remind you that this is what the end time tribulation can look like. Uh, and in some foreign countries, does look like. Uh, my, my essential application is text is that who knows what history holds for each of us other than that we will be persecuted. And someday we may be in a civil or criminal trial because of our faith. So how do we answer? Well, we're going to look at the content of the answer of the Apostle Paul. Uh, you might say, Phil, you're really, you're really stretching this point here. Uh, I heard the testimony a couple of uh, 
weeks ago of a Canadian wife, pastor's wife. Uh, Canadian law is not too dissimilar from American law. They have the freedom of religion. Uh, uh, her husband, as a pastor, uh, was in jail uh, because of the witness of his church. In other words, he would not close down. He continued, continued faithful. Happening, by the way, for some of you who are up on current events, to John MacArthur in California. Uh, if I understand it properly, this Canadian pastor has been let out of jail, but they put a fence around his church. You don't keep our law. You can't meet. Now this is the 21st century Canadian law abusing the church. Think about it. It is living history. Regardless, Paul is a witness irrespective of the nature of the trial. The venue is multifaceted. Here it's a judicial trial. Let's look at his defense, verse 10. Acts chapter 24 and verse 10. When the governor had nodded for him to speak, Paul responded, knowing that for many years you have been a judge to this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. He's going to deliver uh, his defense. It's from this word that we have the English theological term apologetics. Not an apology, but a defense. Uh, in verse 11, he says, I worship the true God. Verse 14, I serve the true God. Very interesting, that word for serve God is the word that applied to the priests of Israel. Uh, by the way, that's what you and I are as Christians. We're priests. We're, there's not some special class of priests. If you're a Christian, you are a priest. And Paul is rendering witness as a priest of God. He's really defining himself as true Israel. Uh, in verse 12, he states that he acted alone, contrary to their allegations. He acted alone. They have accused him of, of uh, sedition. Uh, and he says, no sedition, I acted alone. In 13, they cannot prove their charges. In fact, they had brought no eyewitnesses of their charges. And the judge should have thrown their case out at that point, but he doesn't. I'll tell you why in a moment. But positively, Paul says, in verse 14, I served God according to the way. As you know, if you've been attending our study in the book of Acts, the word way is a technical term acknowledging that Paul has joined the end time restoration and exodus to heaven. He's on the way. If you're not a Christian, Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the end time exodus to heaven. And I might add, the witness of this church is that He is the only way. Because He alone is solitary in His perfections and He alone rendered true witness to God the Father. He also serves the God of the patriarchs and believes all the law and the prophets. And what do the patriarchs and the law and the prophets point to? Christ the Messiah. So he's rendering the content of his witness. You can witness the gospel from the Old Testament. It breaks out in Genesis 3. Breaks out everywhere. 
And the law and the prophets testify to Christ. You've broken the law of God. God provides ransom in the uh, cultic system of the tabernacle and temple, but that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. By Jesus Christ for His people. That's true witness. And all of the pluralism that surrounds our culture, I don't care from what venue it comes, it's not the witness of Scripture. Uh, Paul is rendering true witness. Uh, Uh, he also says that uh, the true witness of the Savior culminated in uh, the resurrection of our Savior that will climax in the resurrection at the end of the age. Let's look at verse 24, pardon me, chapter 24, verse 15. Having a hope in God that these men cherish themselves, that there shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. That's his witness. It's an allusion to a number of passages. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 5. Jesus is rendering witness. John chapter 5 in particular, verses 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, an hour is coming. By the way, previously he's told the woman, the hour has come when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear shall live. Uh, that's, that's the new birth. But now he transitions to the end of the age. An hour is also coming in which all who are in the tombs shall hear his voice, shall come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. That awaits us yet. Spiritual resurrection has already begun. Uh, it's in Christ. Only hope. But there'll be another resurrection. The general resurrection of all mankind. Uh, this text, I believe, comes from the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 12. Um, very interesting that Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 speaks of... Uh, End time persecution, I believe inaugurated by our Savior at the cross. Uh, but notice verses 2 and 3, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake, these to everlasting life, but others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. And those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven, and those who lead the many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. General resurrection at the end of the age, some to contempt. Others to life. By the way, I believe contextually those contempt are those uh, read about in uh, chapter 11 that played God false by committing idolatry. A reference to the cult covenant community that played God false uh, by turning to idolatry to escape the persecutions of Antiochus. They rendered false witness, but there was a remnant in the midst of the nation who told the people, don't follow Him. Uh, they impart wisdom to lead many to righteousness, to be faithful to God. They will be resurrected to life everlasting. Uh, and that's what Paul is giving reference to. Uh, the general resurrection at the end of the age. A reminder to you, if you know Christ, 
you'll be resurrected, shine like the stars. That will never go out. Conversely, if you've rejected the Savior and followed idols, your star will be extinguished like the blackness, the blackest eternity. And Paul is rendering true witness like those who have insight in Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 12. As he's calling upon his uh, countrymen to quit being deceived as to the Messiah. Essential in the application of Daniel is that Paul cannot deny his faith and be intimidated by Rome as an essential part of true Israel. Again, reminder that true witness continues faithful regardless of the venue. Notice again the theme, act and the content. Very explicit. References to the resurrection. Reference to the witness of Scripture. In a courtroom, Paul is unashamed about his faith. Lastly, in verses 16 to 21, he stresses that his conduct was blameless. Um, um, Again, the grace of God dispatches the Spirit to make our conduct blameless. He declares us judicially righteous in His Son and then dispatches His Spirit to impart an infused righteousness. Uh, Imputation is a judicial term. Very instructive that Paul was in a courtroom arguing biblical law. Uh, uh, In a courtroom, our Savior argued biblical law before God the Father to impute judicial righteousness to all of the sons of God thereby becoming the basis of our innocence um, to set us free. Not innocent in a moral sense because we are entirely culpable. It's an incredible uh, expression of the grace of God that our salvation was sealed by the acts of God the Father and God the Son. And then morally, God the Son dispatches His Spirit uh, to apply it to our hearts courtroom scene. We weren't even there. That's about a clear definition as grace as it could ever be. Uh, I was the defense attorney for you, Christ is saying. I pled your case. The Father accepted my work upon the cross. Um, Paul uh, also says that I caused no disturbance, and he didn't. They're the ones that caused the disturbance. He was simply in the temple. And uh, he, is, uh, he also says that my, my, my accusers are engaging in hearsay because where are their witnesses? Uh, uh, I've, as you know, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a son of a lawyer, but I've seen enough television cases that you can't do hearsay. You can't convict someone on hearsay. At least to this point, grace of God. So uh, really, all the charges that they bring against Paul, they're really guilty of, but that's that's the way persecution sometimes works. Uh, I would remind you again that uh, like our culture today in Roman law, uh, religion uh, was not something that they uh, engaged in trial about. This is a secular civil court. They don't hear religious law. That's for religious courts, 
like the court that Luther was called before in the Diet of Worms. He was charged uh, with, uh, with heresy, stood his ground. Uh, and of course, believing in Christ and the resurrection, uh, at, least, at least today, is not against the law. Thank God. Who knows what tomorrow holds? Who knows? be different if you lived in uh, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, uh, communist China. Uh, by the way, in communist China, they put fences around churches, just like the Canadians did to this uh, Christian pastor. Uh, interesting. Interesting. But there's lots of venues. Uh, I remember early in the pandemic, I got a, a letter from uh, city manager saying uh, only 10 people can meet and if there's 11 we can fine you um, $800 and throw you uh, in jail for 60 days. Yeah, so I called uh, city councilman and said, you know, what's with this? Since when does uh, the city manager have the right to shut us down? Particularly when every other place has more than 10 people. Um, I reminded, uh, reminded him of a telling fact. Uh, there's no pandemic clause in the Constitution. And by the way, there's no pandemic clause in the Scriptures either. We're to be faithful witness regardless of the venue based upon our Savior. Well, Jay and I went down to meet with the mayor So we're still meeting. But who knows from what venue the next virus will come. And I don't mean a literal virus. It could be the denial of First Amendment, denial of Fifth Amendment, denial of the Sixth Amendment. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I just know that persecution of the faithful is a fact of living history. Remind you, uh, I think it was last Sunday in the Daily Oklahoman, uh, reminded to us that uh, Methodist Church is undergoing an incredible trial. Um, uh, namely, a split of the dom denomination. Over what? Over biblical law. Some Methodist churches uh, will not ordain people of alternative lifestyles. Imagine that. The Bible teaching character and morality. The Bible teaching changed lives. It's a hope of any of us. Um, some are refusing to uh, engage in uh, matrimonial services of alternative lifestyles. Some do, some don't. So let's just split the church. Who knows what will happen? I know it's before the uh, religious courts, uh, but uh, I also know something that's just as radical. The world is always coming into the church, seeking to destroy it, seeking to corrupt its witness. And you and I are called to be true witnesses, to continue faithful regardless of the venue. So uh, Paul says the defense rests. Not in the text, but um, the defense rests. 
the case, the case should have been dismissed. The Roman civil governor should have said, you know, I don't get this religious stuff. I'm sorry, guys. I, case is over with. Paul goes free. He doesn't. You know why? Because he's a corrupt judge. Uh, God forbid. They exist in the world today. So Felix, the Roman civil governor, equivocates, verses 22 to 27. Uh, but the evidence before Felix strikes a chord, Acts chapter 24, verse 25. Some days later, Felix arrived with Drusilla, his wife, who was a Jewish, and sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. As he was discussing righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, Felix became frightened. It's a parallel. When Pilate was conducting his civil court against Jesus, his wife sent him a note and said, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I suffered greatly in my dreams over him. She's warning his husband to leave Jesus alone, but he equivocates because of the mob. Pilate follows mob rule. And you know what? Every Sunday, when the Apostles' Creed is read, Pilate is vilified because he forsook his role as a proper civil governor. And all civil governors should be so reminded. But this is a recapitulation of the civil trial of Jesus in the life of the Apostle Paul. Felix becomes terrified over what Paul has just said. And then, it, and then it will disappear. It will dissipate. Be very careful about hitting the snooze alarm when the Word of God confronts you about your danger before God who is an eternal judge absent an attorney, a defense attorney as in Jesus Christ and absent His righteousness which is imputed to you because you cannot stand. Revelation chapter 6, who can stand? No one can stand before the judgments of God. But for a moment, Felix catches a flash of conviction and then it goes away. It gives way to the mob. Uh, and like all men, he, he, uh, he wants Paul to bribe him. Now, that's about as bad as it gets when, when you're a civil judge and you want Paul to hang around so he'll give you some money. Uh, God forbid that it should happen in the United States, but uh, occasionally it does. Uh, who knows what the future holds? Uh, I fear sometimes we give away things that are called free when they're not free to bribe people to subvert the law. Aberration of proper civil government. Uh, civil governors should not be taught. Uh, sacred right of voting should not be up for sale. Um, remember the account of the very infamous uh, 1964 senatorial election 
uh, with Lyndon Johnson and Coke Stevenson. Stevenson won the race, but uh, Johnson kept bribing the people in South Texas and kept the ballot open until eventually he won. Keep the ballot open long enough and the, the wrong guy can win. Just the way that it is. You corrupt the system. Uh, and the lesson to me is not against uh, civil culture. It's against uh, when does it ever turn against the church? That's the point of this text. And should it ever turn against the church, we must remain true witnesses regardless of the venue. We must remain faithful. I'd like to describe to you the an illustration of the response of the Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 1, verse 13. So my imprisonment is the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Paul was a faithful witness, an exemplary witness. Let us continue and stand fast and hold firm to his traditions, which speaks to the faithful witness, Jesus Christ our Savior.